0: Hello there. Noah here. If everything is proceeding as we've been told, then this should be appearing in the backer-only podcast feeds, which you can acquire via Patreon. Of course, if you are hearing this, that means that you have acquired that luckily uh i know more than a handful of you uh and i'm going to ask hey did you get did you get your thing did it show up is it working um so yeah brand new experiment for us here uh because we rolled over to a cast this week anyway that's the stuff uh the rambly stuff you expected from the old podcast and indeed the rambly stuff you should expect from these bonus episodes uh this is the um the full interview. I I I cut out the 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 parts at the the start where it's like you know this is how to do the browser window stuff. Uh, and indeed, uh, we also had a section uh, that uh, we recorded some questions for another story we're working on, and that stuff is is not here yet. But we'll we'll probably. We we might drop uh, the the rest of it once that story's run, uh, but this is about a this is about a half hour of uh, of my interview with Corvus Brinkerhoff, the creative director of Meow Wolf Las Vegas. Uh, this is uh, Corvus has been listening to the show for a long time. Um, I've gotten a chance to like meet Corvus for like a hot second a couple of years ago in Santa Fe. We'd never had a chance to sit down and talk so. Uh, we, we did this half hour, then I did the other round of questions. And then I think we talked for like another 10, 15 minutes. Um, and one day, hopefully we'll get a chance to sit down and talk again because I really enjoyed it. So, uh, these interviews are kind of the reason why I started the show. So I'm glad that even though I've, I've changed the show and don't get me wrong, I am, I'm very tired because of how hard I'm working right now, but I'm very Good tired. I'm very happy with what we're making. I think it's going to uh only be an asset, but I'm also very glad that there's a space for these kinds of interviews. And now I've taken up two minutes of your time just talking about how much I love this. So let's do the thing. So I'm gonna kick us off. Um, you got okay. to see this thing in every phase of development from napkin sketches, like all the way to the build. But what was it like to finally walk through with house lights off? Show lights up, everything fired up.
1: Hmm. You know, there's a, a kind of um, feeling of practical magic that you get to experience when you create something uh, this at this size with this many different ideas and contributors. Um, and there's certainly a moment. And every show where it kind of like, you see it for the first time in a way. Um, and you get to feel feel the power of that magic uh, in a very like visceral way. And I remember that moment with pretty much every show that we've done in the course of Meow Wolf, like my personal moment of experiencing that show and that magic um, sort of in its entirety. But, you know, you get little you get little doses of it along the way. Um, The whole journey with the um, Omega Mart exhibition in Las Vegas, that was a three and a half year process from the very beginnings of discussions around what might this be to opening day. Um, And so and and those doses are really important, right, because three and a half years is a long time to be. obsessing over one project. So you need those little moments where you kind of like come up for air and connect back to inspiration and remember like why we're doing this. Um,
0: How long, how long was the process on house of eternal return?
1: It was like 18 months. I think it was like absurdly fast, which of, of course at the time we had no idea that was fast because we had never tried to make a permanent art installation before. Um, we thought we were going really slow and actually, uh, according to our initial estimates of when that show would be done, we ended up taking, I think, close to three times as much time to create it as uh, we had, had, had originally intended.
0: And this was like two and a half times again as long of a
1: process. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. and And, and similarly, it took a lot longer than we had thought starting out i think at the beginning we were thinking 18 months to two years for for omega mart or often i'll just refer to that show as vegas that's kind of our like shorthand um within within meow wolf yeah we thought we thought vegas would take maybe two years um yeah of course it ended up being three and a half um
0: yeah but that's you get get the pandemic asterisk too so
1: yeah, you know, although, honestly, like, the pandemic weirdly didn't really affect our timelines. Um, like, we, we we knew it was going to take a lot longer uh, than we had hoped. Um, we knew that before the pandemic set in. We didn't know how much longer, but um, it, oddly, uh, it, it didn't really... Impact our timelines that much. It impacted a lot of other things dramatically. Like we um, laid off or furloughed um, like close to 60% of our team in response to the pandemic and being cut off from our only revenue stream with the House of Eternal Return and Santa Fe closing. Um, obviously, that had a, a, a huge impact on the project and on the team, and was extremely difficult and, and honestly, frankly, like very painful. Um, for me personally and and for everybody um, but uh, the timeline actually <laughs> somehow um, wasn't really impacted
0: you mentioned you 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 do remember the moment for you when when the practical magic hit. could you take us there?
1: For me, that moment now it's about being in that space and watching someone I don't know experience it for the first time. That's for me, that's when the magic sets in. And I, and I know that now cause we've done like, I don't know, 30 shows or something in our, in our 13 or 14 years of, of making art together. Um, and yeah, it's the reflection, uh, of the work off of a stranger and observing that reflection and seeing how it affects them, that's for me when I get to feel the magic and I remember why am I putting myself through all of these uh, incredibly difficult processes and endless meetings and emails and conversations and rounds of revisions, and the process um, is so intensive to get to that f- finish line. Um, but that's why, that's why when you get to feel what it means to someone else and someone that you don't know, that you couldn't have anticipated or tried to uh, pander to in some way, it's just the world <laughs> reflecting your work back to you. Um, and now that I've gotten to feel that and know that and been through enough cycles with enough different projects, I know how to draw on that as we go along. and. Two years out from opening, I'm remembering, okay, don't forget, this is why we do this. We are going to find ourselves in a moment in the future where we get to feel what this work means to somebody else. Can we like sort of do some like time traveling here and draw some of that magic and that inspiration into this moment while we're working when we're so far away from that goal? Can we draw that in now? And use that as fuel to help us get to that moment in the future um, and that that process starts to feel uh, like magic too <laughs> that's its own it's part of it's part of the magic it's part of the alchemy is like how to connect with that future audience and that future version of yourself and that future version of this project how to connect with that now so that we can use that energy to help uh, bring that into being.
0: So it sounds like you do what I think a lot of creators do, which is kind of watch people move through the spaces they make. Is there, is there something that people do inside the Vegas uh, unit uh, that <laughs> I just tried it in my own mouth. <laughs> just a bit. I'm gonna say Omega Mart. There's anything people do inside a Mart or the space behind a Mega Mart, uh, that surprises you, or something they drift towards that you're sort of like, oh wow, they're they're really going for
1: that. I think, yeah. I mean, it's funny because you. You spend a lot of time kind of visualizing. You know, we've we've developed these different archetypes of our guests. Um, so we have. Uh, I'm I'm gonna butcher this, I think, because <laughs> um, this isn't an idea I talk about all the time. But it's something that um, is important. Anyway, we have these archetypes where you know you have basically like waiters, swimmers uh divers and deep divers if i'm getting that right it's close enough you, you understand probably the the metaphor here these are different types of users and kind of how they interact with the artwork and the, the waiter is someone who is really drawn into the sort of physical visceral experience of it all so there's beautiful lighting design and this really complex sound design and these painstakingly handmade details to create these immersive environments and the waiter is is sort of you know idyllic ideally like beautifully suspended in this kind of consumption or perception of of that experience and then on the other end of the spectrum you have the deep diver who may or may not be taken by the the um that sort of waiter experience and that Um, that type of beauty, but is so interested in why is this here and what does it mean? And, you know, we create the depths of our narrative experience to really serve uh, all of those people. But we want to make sure the deep divers especially have something to find if they dig deep enough. There's something down there for them to mine and pull out and to hold on to. Um, And so I'm always still i'm a deep diver right like i think to create things like this you have to be kind of a deep diver um because you have to have that kind of obsessive nature that's like i'm not ready to let this go i want to know more about where this came from and what it means and as much as i relate to the deep divers i'm always so impressed by them like i'm so amazed that um we're able to create something that held their attention and that hopefully, you know, pulled on their heartstrings in a way that made them really want to investigate further and understand more and more about the 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 why underneath this experience that's been created for them. Um, I think about my experiences with artwork in my life, and I studied art, and I've Made art for most of my life, and I've seen, I've experienced a lot of artwork, and it's honestly extraordinary for me personally to spend more than twenty or thirty seconds in front of any given piece of artwork. Um, And I, and I think that's actually longer than average. I, I remember hearing a statistic that it's something like four to 12 seconds in an art museum is like the typical dwell time of someone observing one piece of artwork. Um, and so, you know, thinking about that and knowing my own experience of artwork, which is just so rare for me to get really drawn into something, um, to, to create something that, that inspires people to want to spend that kind of time with the work. Um, I sort of hope will always be surprising to me that because I think that means that I'm not taking for granted how special that is to um, have an audience or, or a member of our audience who cares enough about what we made to, to go that deep with it.
0: I'll tell you, like from what I observed when I went on Thursday, like you definitely spark uh, the curiosity of folks and like some folks are kind of like, you know, intimidated and they don't know what to do or where to go or can they open that door? And then there are other folks who were straight up running up to the doors, Mark staff only that, that have like the normal <laughs> NFC like reader on it and, and right. tapping their boop cards on it uh, to the point where at one point I was like, um, uh, you got to look for the one with the symbol. Like I had to tell somebody. And then another one, there was a lady with her family and she was like, I think if we level up enough that we're going to be able to get in this door. So like.
1: I love it. Yeah. Once you, once you throw all the rules and conventions out, then, you know, nobody knows where the boundaries are anymore. So to me, that's like, um, as imperfect of an experience design as it is for someone to like repeatedly fail to boop a door that's like intentionally locked so they can't go in there because there's some sensitive like servers in there or something that they're not supposed to have access to like that's not necessarily what i would consider successful experience design but um it indicates like uh, something that is very successful which is that whatever conventions you know when you go into a, a a anywhere really like a grocery store you know how to interact with the grocery store there's conventions like you can hold a product until you get to this point and then maybe you should put it down if you're going to pass it or if you're in an art museum you can walk up to this point but don't touch that thing there and like there's all these conventions that are mostly unspoken that we just all like agree to play nice with most of the time and when I see behavior like that, when I see people trying to do things they would not do in a grocery store or would not do in most art museums, it tells me like, okay, we're succeeding at breaking the conventions open. And suddenly it's like a free for all in a way where nobody knows what the rules are. And as an experienced designer, like that's a really kind of fertile soil to get to design experiences within um, because I don't have to worry so much about the conventions and projections that someone might bring into the experience. So we've got them in a sort of state of mind where they're ready for something new to happen and and excited by that. Um, So hopefully as we get more sophisticated in our experience design and as our creation of these exhibitions, like we'll find ways to reward people for doing things like that, even if it's not exactly like what we intended them to do. but yeah, I I love that. I mean, there's tons of there's tons of um, things that I I see happen that I think are so um, so exciting and and so surprising. I I think one of the biggest surprises for me and my journey with Meow Wolf was, you know, we're all a, a, adults making artwork you know, really for ourselves, first and foremost, like as artists, like trying to stay true to what is inspiring to me, what do I feel sort of called to create in the world, and then hoping to make that meaningful and relevant to somebody else. And then we show that work, you know, and as adults, you kind of hope that like other adults will get it and connect with it. But right away, like within our first show or two, I remember seeing like, young children just going bananas running around our exhibitions. Um, It was like these, these beautiful primal kind of like um, powerful human circuits were just on like full blast. And these children just like pure wonder and curiosity and their imaginations were ignited. And I never thought about that, like going to art school and thinking about art so seriously and really wanting to make something that was important and meaningful and and valuable to the world, you know, I never really thought about children. Um, I always thought about sort of people like me, like my age or that had a similar worldview to me or whatever. Um, I was sort of projecting myself into this archetype of who I was making work for. And seeing children connect with our work was mind-blowing to me because I realized like okay they're not gonna give a shit about our artist statement they don't care about our mission and vision statements they don't care about what inspired me as the creator they're they're not really that interested in these like sort of loftier philosophical and ideological motivators that so much artwork uh, is sort of originating from like there's just like an immediate like Light switch that's either turned on or not, and children turn out to be a really useful like sort of metric for uh is this working in a way, and we don't want to make work explicitly for children, and that would be really, really limiting and unfortunate, I think, if Apple found itself in a position where it was trying to make work specifically and only for children, but seeing how children can connect with the work and how quickly that happens to me was like this beautiful indicator, like, hold on, there's something really interesting happening here. Because I always felt challenged by this idea that um, you had to have this really heady and complex philosophical sort of infrastructure to hold up the ideas of your artwork. Like that always felt kind of like, okay well that's interesting but it's sort of like reading the liner notes after you've fallen in love with an album like the album needs to be beautiful first and then maybe i'll learn what all the lyrics are and that'll be even more beautiful and then i'll read all the liner notes and get some hints as to what the band was thinking about when they made it but um a lot of contemporary artwork i feel like is sort of made under this justification of the liner notes like that the, that's That's the most important part. And actually what you experience, the physical artwork that you observe is secondary to the concept. And I think there's some beautiful artwork that's made in that, that, that's challenging and and causes you to reflect on yourself and and on the world in a meaningful way. But for the most part, that's just really alienating and most people don't care. (laughs) And so seeing, seeing, seeing how children react to it has always been like such a point of inspiration for me.
0: There's almost a way in which you guys are almost like a reverse Pixar, right? Pixar is always making kids' movies that adults can tap into. You guys are kind of making yeah, like nice. a- adult playgrounds. That always that that sounds wrong, but uh, <laughs> making like like uh, you know, yeah, there's no way of saying it that doesn't make it sound wrong. Uh, but that 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 are <laughs> that are fully fully kid friendly and like you know you know say I mean there there were a lot of kids there. Like um, I got I got two more for you and then I want to jump into Ricky's uh, and we're at $22 sure. and it's 1128. So if you got to bounce, just let me know. I've got um, plenty
1: of
0: time. Okay, good, good. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to breathe a little then.
1: And this yeah, is great. Yeah, like we'll we'll,
0: we'll, we'll definitely put this in the bonus section. Like people are going to, people will like this. Uh, this this feels like a classic no pro interview to me. So I'm, 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 I'm in my zone. Uh, I mentioned nice. it, it was, it was mobbed. On Thursday it was like a Thursday it was mobbed I don't even know like where Vegas is when it comes to like it's like restrictions or not restrictions there were just a lot of people there I think maybe more people than it, it was as busy as I remember the house being when I saw it on like a Monday um like a couple of years ago in like the fall uh just in terms of density of people so you know, it has been a longer road. There's been these unexpected twists. There's been the pandemic. How does it feel to have it open and just teeming with life?
1: Mm. It feels good. Yeah, I mean, you know, I did a a, a handful of um, interviews with the press during the pandemic and you know everybody wanted to know how is this going to work Um, you've got an indoor touch interactive art installation that you want to have like you know a, a, a number a large number of people coming through every day that uh, doesn't square very nicely with the deadly contagious virus that uh, the world is g- grappling with suddenly and um yeah it wasn't a pretty picture you know it was it was scary um but for me i always held on to this kind of faith i guess that um we'll get to the other side of this and let's let this Project be um, something to look forward to, you know, something that will help us realize that we're on the other side of this this event, this pandemic. And you know, you go through that process knowing, like, nobody really knows how long this is going to go on for. You know, most of that time we didn't know when or if we were going to have uh, effective vaccines. And there's a very real possibility that the pandemic drags on long enough that we couldn't survive that. And the project never got opened to the public. That is uh, something that you just have to live with because it's out of your control. Um, So sure, you know, that was that thought and that fear is present. But for me, I just think, well, if we're not going to just march towards this um, hopefully beautiful thing to look forward to, um, then we might as well just quit now. Like, what's the point, you know? And we're not going to quit now. So let's look forward to this, you know? And so being there and, and, and seeing people in there interacting with each other and with the artwork. Yeah. It's, it's a wonderful feeling. Um, for me, it's it's the completion of uh, many, many cycles at the, like different lengths of cycles in my life, all sort of like coming to uh, a wonderful close at the same time there. Um, you know, the 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 beginning of the end of the pandemic kind of being one of those types of closures, um, of course, finishing the project being another. Um, But yeah, it's just, there's nothing more gratifying, honestly, than working really hard on this audacious vision and getting to see people experience it and enjoy it. And fortunately, like our, our creative instincts were good and people like it, you know? (laughs) Um, So there's always a bit of uh, a, a relief there. I don't think that'll ever get comfortable. Um, I don't think it's supposed to get comfortable. If you're creating something um, and you want it to be the best thing you can create, it's supposed to be uncomfortable. Like You're supposed to wonder, is this good? Are people going to like this? Um, Because the only ways to work on something and know that it's going to be good and people are going to like it is one to be really good at just lying to yourself and just sort of like making up your own alternate reality or two doing things that, you know, for sure have worked in the past and that's not going to create very interesting work. Um, So yeah, you know, there's always a huge release when you get to see um, get to see people react and it's like, okay, I think this is doing what it's supposed to do. I think that the, the inspiration that we drew from, and the, the ideas that we're trying to explore with this work, um, that they're they're succeeding, that they're connecting with the audience, um, that's that's a wonderful release, and there, there's there, there's no replacement for it, and you can't really get it unless you you bear the discomfort. Of doing something that is new and and audacious.
0: Would the Corvus who took up with Meow Wolf? I think you said thirteen years ago. Um, would would he believe you if you told him any of this? What you what you <laughs> what you what you what, what you just pulled off? Because you pulled it
1: off. Like yeah, I, I, I saw I, I saw know. those
0: designs, and I was like, I don't know if they're gonna do it. <laughs> and then it's there, man.
1: It's there. I don't know, I love that question. I honestly don't know because um on the one hand like there's so much that has happened that uh has gotten us to this point, you know, that's a- allowed us to work at this incredible scale. Um that is so improbable, you know, it's just like I call it like a sort of um string of consecutive miracles you know like you could say it's a miracle but really like that's you're selling it short it's like it's sort of like winning the lottery like a hundred times in a row you know it's like so yeah that's mind-blowing like how did we get here or like how did that happen there's something mysterious at work here that no one can take credit for Um and yeah that is utterly astounding and surprising and and unbelievable and then The Corvus of right now kind of is in disbelief uh, on some level. But then, you know, at the same time, like when we were creating um, those first few Meow Wolf shows that that, uh, I was involved in, you know, 13 years ago, it's like there was a picture in my mind of this being really big and being able to make this kind of uh, interactive, immersive, super collaborative artwork at a really big scale like you know you kind of it's like you have to have that vision that it's possible or you'll never even try hard enough to find out if it's possible